Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, folks, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. Hello, Lindy. Please tell us about our topic and guest for this episode. Hi, Grant. Well, as you know, we've talked at some length about what the packaging industry is doing and should be doing to make products more sustainable and to start moving in a circular direction. And today we're going to be focusing, however, on a key driver of the change that's necessary, and that's the consumer. We've seen consumer shopping behavior and their consumption behavior changing. They're making different choices and trying to make choices that align with their values and with their vision of what they want for their lives. Now, with us in the studio today is an expert on consumer behavior. This is Sally Williams. We've had her on the show before. She's also known as Sustainable Sally, but she's also been known in our consumer households for many, many years because she ran a show called Brand Power. Now, Sally, welcome to the studio today. We're going to talk about consumers and you're going to tell us all about your new platform, Choice for Life. Hi, Lindy. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, and so pleased to have you back on the show. Oh, it's great to be back, and thank you so much for having me, yes. Um, yes, it's been quite a journey, hasn't it? The brand power um, career of mine was about 25 years, so it's uh, we go back quite a long way. It, um, I must just clarify, though, it actually wasn't my business, Brand Power. It was started by two guys here in Melbourne, um, Tim Buchanan and Brett Kay. And uh, do you know, Brand Power, just to give you a little bit of background, it was a, initially a letterbox drop. It was a it was a brochure that was dropped in our letterboxes. Remember those? <laughs> we don't see many of those anymore. And it was literally focusing on facts and value to help you buy better. And they thought, well, they'll take that concept and they'll create a TV commercial. So they started doing some pilots. And I was on TV doing something else at the time, the Ford commercials, and they saw me and so the rest is history. But so it, it's, a, it's a wonderful story, a success story, Brand Power itself, because it's now in about 17 countries. They've got 17 presenters around the world. But I stepped away about three or four years ago. I didn't, didn't re-sign because I decided I wanted to really support the brands that are making a step change towards sustainability. And I knew the consumer, me being one of them, we all are really, I think, becoming a lot more conscious as consumers and looking for those better products on the shelf. But it's confusing. We know this. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I didn't want to just be supporting, going, getting up and going to work every day just for the sake of a great career, which it was, and I'm very grateful for it, and I absolutely love it. And, um, and there it is back on again at the moment now, which is good to see. But um, I wanted to personally only work in that space because I believe the consumer is confused, but they do want to make better choices. So I thought, well, if I step away... <laughs> then I can start focusing on becoming that person, which is why I've developed Choice for Life, which is literally a dedicated content platform, a bit like Brand Power really, but focusing only on those products from those brands that are all making a dedicated contribution to sustainability in some way or another. So that's the journey. It's been quite a long time. So Choice for Life is a content platform that you've developed for brands. Is that correct? So brands can put their content onto that platform to let consumers know what it is that they're doing to make more sustainable products or to make their products more sustainable rather? Yeah. Well, the idea is, um, as I said before, because the 
the consumer, and we know this from the stats, you know, the stats are incredible, especially in the last three years, we've seen the conscious consumer rise considerably. Um, I think about nine in 10 Australians are now wanting to support ethical brands in their purchases, which is huge. When you compare that to three years ago, that's enormous. Mm. So mm. brands are now needing to shift um, their their moral compass as well and they realise that because they're going to lose clients, they're going to lose customer loyalty if they don't make that step change. You make a good point there, Sally. Unsustainable brands are not going to get a look in and um, we have that confirmed by some market research done by a group called Taluna who researched um, or rather surveyed over a 1,000 Australians in December last year. And that research revealed that for one in five shoppers, sustainability now defines their choice of retailer, brand, and product. And it also showed that younger shoppers are quicker to drop brands that don't meet their eco preferences, with 25% of 18 to 34-year-olds having stopped using a brand in the last six months due to sustainability concerns. I think those are some, some sort of eye-opening statistics. There's more to that report as well. And we published that on packagingnews.com.au and also in our magazine recently. But the point is, as you said, brands are needing to catch a wake-up, basically. And many of them are. Now, brands who've got muscle power, like a big brand like Unilever, for example, are making some very bold moves. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your interaction the other day at Unilever's new... um, what do we call it? It's in the it's in Coles. Uh, they've got a refill station. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yes. Well, um, some of your listeners may know this, of course, that uh, because they did quite a lot of media around it. But um, in Mooney Ponds, they refurbished one of their coal stores, and it's a, basically calling it a trial store. It's one of their A stores. I mean, they have A, B, C, D stores. This is an A store, and I went and had a look through it and had a little chat to the. Um, manager there and it was really good to see because what they're doing is Unilever have got um, Omo and Surf a refill station set up within the supermarket so it's a it's got a the whole supermarket itself has a very different vibe to it it all it feels like a supermarket but it almost feels like um, a local bulk produce store almost like you're at a farmer's market when you're walking around the fresh produce. But what they're trying to establish and they're experimenting at the moment is the refill stations. So that means that the consumer, before they leave home, thinks about their containers. They pop those containers into their bag. They go along shopping and they go into the store and they use their own container to refill their laundry liquid or even I think Sukhan are doing it with their shampoos as well. So there was another station with them. So they're testing it to see how the consumer behaves and how they receive it and how they respond to it. And the manager of the store said it's being very well received, which is great to great to see, isn't it? Because what's happening here is there's it's almost like the farmers markets and the bulk grocery stores that we've been seeing that usually the more alternate type of shopper would go to. They're starting, the, the supermarkets are realizing that they need to actually blend the two together and become that themselves to bring that new consumer into the supermarket. So those shoppers are now going to start coming into the supermarket if they're going to be able to shop and behave the way they like to with their refillables, for example. And I think it's really smart from the supermarket's point of view. So good on Coles for trying this because they're gaining more customers and at the same time educating their regulars that this is a way forward to reduce 
refillable packaging. So I, I'm really glad to see that. But you can bring your own container from home. My question about that one, though, is is consumer behaviour, it's really hard to change people. We know this, don't we? It's a, and it's difficult to remember your container, you know. We've got the soft plastics where we're returning to store. How hard is it to remember to bring your, to return your soft plastics to store? We're, we're slowly getting better at that. I mean, let's face it, we're, we're taking our shopping bags. We did that. That took a while, but now we're doing that. The shopping bag change was something that people thought they couldn't do. And now it's, have you remembered your bags? You know, you, you've, the behavior has changed significantly because the choice is no longer there. So if it became an option of you have to reuse your bottle, you have to show that you've reused your bottle in a sense, if you've got your big bottle of Surf or Omo, um, I guess the question comes, as you said there, will consumers actually do this? Will the significant number of consumers that we need to have doing this in order for this project to scale up, will that change be able to be implemented? And it, it, it's an interesting. It'll take some time. Um, I think there'll be a certain percentage of shoppers that will just do that automatically because they choose to and that's the way they choose to live and they're already living that way. I think what will happen is people will forget to bring their containers from home. So I think what the brands need to do is obviously provide uh, a refillable option there, which there are, you know, you can buy those at point of sale. So the idea is you buy the refillable and you bring that refillable back in with you. Or you can bring your own container, to be honest with you. How's that? You can bring your own container to go to the to the OMO pump. So are you saying you could take your own, if you decided you stored everything in glass jars and you had a giant glass jar you wanted to have your laundry liquid in, you can bring that into the store? I was surprised as well, but that's what the uh, manager of the store told me. And he even himself was a little bit surprised, but you can because what it does is the pump actually has a cutoff point. So if it's, say, 1.8 litre refill, it'll cut off at that point. And if your jar is 1.5, it's going to overflow. So you're really going to need to understand what you're doing there. So the brands are all providing a refill option there, which is great. But what we need to be considering with those refillable options, those bottles, they need to be made out of recycled plastic. We have to make sure that, you know, we're supporting the yeah, the sustainable circular economy in that way, you know, with an RPET brand, of course. Well, I think that um, companies like Unilever are certainly progressing that and they have for some time been using recycled plastic in their uh, laundry liquid bottles as well. And yes, definitely. The RPET example is a good one, Sally. There's an, there are brands like Coca-Cola. You may have done some work with them and you may be well aware of um, what they're doing with their RPET. Uh, have you had any interaction with Coca-Cola? Uh, I did a little while ago, actually, I was doing some work with um, uh, Second Bite with Coca-Cola and I was talking to the team there and they were telling me very much about what they're doing with their um, 100% RPET now. And it's great to see that they're doing it. And they've got, I think they've actually got 100% RPET in their 13.2, I don't know, the smaller individual drink bottles, they are definitely 100% recycled plastic which is great and I think there's about five brands I know Coca-Cola, Sprite are one of them and and the other beautiful thing is what I'm noticing with Coca-Cola and they're trialing this at the moment is the shape of their RPET bottles so that means that when you're seeing a certain shape of a say a Coca-Cola bottle they're testing this right now on the shelf you'll you'll be able to recognize that that's actually a sustainable packaging a sustainable bottle by the shape the ergonomics of the bottle which is really smart 
Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me to be able to give consumers more than one way of signaling apart from the label on pack that says this bottle is our pet 100%. Um, I think Coca-Cola Amatil, the bottler for Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola products here is up to a close on 70% of all its bottles in our pet now. Fabulous, isn't that? That's just wonderful to see. And when you're talking about labelling there, and this is where the, this is where it can be a little bit difficult and confusing and time-consuming for the consumer when they're shopping at that point of sale because they want to make that better choice, but they've got to literally pick up that container, that pack, and read it and try and find the signs to say, yes, it's been made out of recycled um, plastic or this is a compostable pack or et cetera, et cetera. It's quite difficult. So it's I think this is where Coca-Cola are really smart. Well, when we talk about ethical consumerism being on the rise, which I think we can quote stat after stat, and I don't think anybody is in any doubt about that, but how informed do you think the consumer wants to be? Like how much information does the brand have to put onto its label or onto its packaging? How many messages do you think the consumer wants to receive about the ethical, sustainable nature of that product? I think they uh, need to be able to develop a relationship with a brand that really speaks to their own moral compass. I think the consumer is looking for that and it is difficult because the brand needs to step up and and relay that through. Um, You know, these days people, the consumer will actually be in the supermarket and Google a product and Google their corporate social responsibility of that brand while they're in that point of sale, while they're shopping to help them make that decision. So the consumer is really savvy now. So the brand needs to be able to constantly be communicating with the consumer in some way uh, through social media or advertising in some way what they're doing as far as their contribution to the environment. It's really, really important. So I think, um, yeah, I think that's basically, it's a huge step now and it's difficult and quite challenging for brands to do that. How do they do it? I mean, it's we're in a hurry when we're shopping and you pick up a product and you're sort of seeing in a really small print there made out of 100% RPET uh, and it can be recycled. It, it's, it's quite difficult for people. But the thing is with the consumer these days, it's not just about the product they're buying. Um, It doesn't really even matter how good the product is. It's about how good the company is as well. And when you're buying a product, you're also buying the pack, Mm. you know. Mm. And so, you know, for years with Brand Power, I was telling people what to buy and to take it home with them. And that's one of the reasons why I stepped away from Brand Power because there was no response. Personally, there was no responsibility. I was saying, well, buy this. It's fabulous and enjoy end of story. But that's very linear, isn't it? I mean, we've got to work to the circular economy now. So that's why I've created Choice for Life because now I'm saying, well, you know, you might like to consider um, buying this because of the environmental um, impact that it has. So for years, it's funny in a way, for years I was telling people what to buy and now I'm almost telling people what not to buy. (laughs) Well, I guess that's kind of... (laughs) <laughs> it is important. One of the things I did want to point out, though, of course, consumers are very aware of of packaging, especially plastic packaging, and making sure that when they buy a product, they don't have a problem with morally or ethically what to do with the remains of the product, the packaging afterwards. Yeah, because we're buying that too. But Yeah, exactly. Um, but one of the other things is that it's no use buying something that's packaged in packaging that is recyclable or recycled and then recyclable again. If the product itself is made from masses of imported ingredients that have got terrible carbon footprints, or if the product itself is going to be wasted 
and cause carbon emissions in landfill because food waste, as you know, is also a massive problem. So it kind of all works together. I don't know if you're finding that from brands, that they're looking at it in a holistic way, not just making their packaging green, but making their product the best product they can make it. That's a really good point, Lindy. And I think that they are because, of course, it's not just about the packaging, it's what's inside as well. And uh, so they're Companies now are looking along every step along the supply chain to make sure that they're doing the best they possibly can um, to make that dedicated contribution. And it's going to take time. Not every every brand is going to be able to switch up uh, quickly. They might have to do it in small steps, but at least they're making the steps. And the idea is, of course, with that's what I'm doing. Choice for life talk is to celebrate what what brands are doing and the change that they are doing because that can be enough for a consumer to say you know what I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing they're doing that this brand is doing so I'm going to support that I'm going to help them um, and put my money invest my money in this brand because I know what they're doing for the planet and I think we just have to have an open mind around that that it's not there's there is no 100% sustainability it's never going to exist but as long as brands are starting to do the research in the background and start changing from the very beginning, from design to to where it ends, um, that full circular approach, then I think that's a fabulous thing and it'll it'll take some time. So the point you make there about starting at the very beginning is is super critical. I think, um, and one of the things that we do here in Australia is we try to encourage uh, innovation and design from the outset. The Australian Institute of Packaging is certainly doing a lot of work in that area. We're celebrating and recognizing companies that are designing from the get-go sustainability into their product. So that's all good and well. Now, um, I did want to talk, though, on about corporate transparency. You say it's so important for people to know what companies are doing. Is there enough corporate transparency out there? Well, I think what consumers need to do is literally do their research and read the reports. I think the brands, you know, are all starting to provide that uh, that documentation and that data in re- their report writing. So I think we just have to go there. I mean, you know, when we talk about um, the, the changes that some of the brands are doing, it just reminded me then of Smarties. I mean, look at the Smartie pack now. They've gone from plastic packaging, as you know, and I know you've reported on this, which is just fabulous from, from the plastic single-use um, soft plastic to recycled sustainable paper, which is fabulous, which means now we can recycle that wrapper really easily. Brilliant. Well, I think, um, again, it comes to, it, it's kind of like a contradiction in terms because, yes, Smarties is now going to be in all paper packaging, which is fantastic because paper is a, a really good recyclable uh, material. Sustainably sourced, of course. <laughs> yes, and sustainably sourced paper. And that's a fantastic thing. So for that product, that application change was possible. That material change is a good idea. For KitKat, also a Nestle brand, they're choosing to go down a completely different route. They could have made a KitKat in a paper wrapper, maybe. I don't know. I don't know enough about the product and the um, barrier properties necessary for that product, perhaps. But instead, they're choosing to take their soft plastic wrapper and create a circular economy model from that which is a tremendous investment. So it's kind of like an important message here is that every product needs a different material application and you have to find the best packaging option for that product. And within that, finding the best material option, you have to find the best sustainable or circular, potentially, hopefully, circular option for it. And circular is key. 
really, at the end of the day, that's really what it has to be. But there's going to be, like you said, though, I think it depends on what's going, what's inside, you know, and then your wrap is very important because when we think about food, of course, it's about uh, longevity. We don't want food waste. That's one of the biggest reasons why there's so much soft plastic around is because of the food waste. They're trying to preserve it so that we're not sending, you know, um, food that hasn't been consumed to landfill because it's gone past its use-by date. Yeah, well, look, there's there's layers of discussion around, you know, making sure that we've got packaging that communicates best before, but also shows when the cold chain has been broken using time temperature indicators. You know, that's a whole other rabbit hole we can go down. But what I did want to come back to now was to talk about your platform, Choice for Life, and understanding who is going to benefit from a Choice for Life promotion. Well, I think everyone's going to benefit from a Choice for Life promotion um, because the idea of Choice for Life, of course, is to be able to represent a brand and talk to the consumer about what that product is now doing, what it offers and how it's aligned to their sustainable values. So the consumer is looking for a better product. Choice for Life, just like a brand power, is going to be delivering those key points around what that brand is doing as far as sustainable packaging, ethically sourcing, etc. So where is Choice for Life broadcast? It depends on where anybody wants to. It depends on their media buy, to be honest. A lot of it will be below the line, but some of it obviously can be above the line. For example, I'd love it to be there. I mean, my aim with Choice for Life is that it becomes a platform that just keeps growing and I will be getting um, definitely needing on board soon some other presenters as well. It won't just be me. I mean, let's face it, I'm not going to be around forever, but I want Choice for Life to be around for a long time. So it is literally, you'll see it on YouTube, you'll see it on as social media everywhere and depending on the clients. I really want to target the bigger brands as well, of course, but there's startups, there's some wonderful startups out there now that are doing terrific things and if they've got the budget and they can come on board, I mean, obviously I'll be tiering my budgets depending on um, the client spend and their needs, but I want to try and be available to as many as possible. I just want to support brands that are doing their bit for the planet. And as we've just discussed, we know the consumer's looking for it. You know, I think um, nine out of 10 Australians are looking for those purchases now. They want to be more ethically and sustainably minded with their purchases every single day. They're living and breathing it in their homes, so they're looking for it out there. And it gets, gets back to, I just want to make it an easy decision for the consumer. So how, if I was a small startup brand... How would I get in touch with you or what what would I need to have ready in my toolkit before I come to you? Well, the the good thing about the Choice for Life offering is that we can start from scratch. We can do all the creative, we can write the scripts and we can workshop it almost as an agency with the client directly and get it ready to produce. And I've got a production company that I'm, a couple actually, that I'm working with as well. A couple of the guys that used to work at Brand Power actually have their own production company now, Two Tractors, and um, and we've always stayed very close. So we're working together to produce that content. So if a brand really doesn't know quite what they want to do, but they know they need to do something, it can just, the conversation can start there, which is fabulous. Or it could, of, of course, be an agency that um, might want to jump on board that have got a, one of the bigger brands that they're just looking to sort of reiterate some of their wonderful uh, changes that they've made to the consumers to help the consumer make that more sustainable choice so we can also work with them. So very, very broad, um, actually, and I, I need it to be that for the moment while it while it starts taking off. And um, it's been very well received, so I'm very, very thrilled. So do you have a choice, choiceforlife.com.au website or how, does, how do people reach you? 
that's exactly it. <laughs> Choiceforlife.com.au. Oh, okay, or the email is info at choiceforlife.com.au. Um, and the beautiful thing about the feedback I got when I launched it a couple of weeks ago was that we really need a platform like this. We haven't got one. There isn't one, which is the whole reason when I left Brand Power, my vision, um, my ever, my, my reason for leaving was to create something like this. So for me personally, it's a very exciting time because I've actually done it and now I'm just going to just keep nurturing it and, and get it out there and, and be that voice for, for those brands and those products and just help the consumer live even better. Sally, it's a great thing that there is going to be this new platform. I think it's essential. We're seeing week after week in PKN, we're reporting on brands that are doing great things, are making new moves. And while there is media coverage generally, I think that every brand could do with having a more direct voice reaching the consumer, something that becomes a tried and trusted platform. So I really hope that that is how it works out for you on Choice for Life. Thank you very much for joining us today to have this discussion about the consumer, about ethical and transparent practices from corporates and from small brand owners too. And uh, yes, we look forward to catching up with you in about a year's time to see how many brands are on board with Choice for Life. Thank you so much, Lindy. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you, Sally. That's been a great conversation about uh, some new concepts to help consumers uh, further support the circular economy. But thanks very much for joining us for this episode. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode. Until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.